Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. We're going to go right out to the Raider Nation uh, guest line. Welcome in our good friend uh, Q Myers. You could follow him at your boy Q254. He's the host of UNR, 3 to 6 p.m. on Fox Sports Central Texas, AM 1330 and 93.9 FM. Q, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. I need you to, to be the arbitrator here uh, for me real quick, Q. Um, my producer, Damon, and some, some, some listeners, some recent callers, uh, they don't believe that any progress has really been made uh, under John Gruden here uh, with the Raiders. And um, I think otherwise, I think last year, um, the 8-8 eight and eight looked a whole lot different than the 7-9 and nine the year before. Uh, the 7-9 and nine team, after a while, was just getting you know uh, the, the, the walls blown off of them. Uh, they just didn't look competitive. The 8-8 eight eight team that I saw, even in their losses last year, they were extremely competitive. Um, Should have won a couple of games they lost. It's neither here nor there. They weren't ready to win those games. But I, I think that there's been progress made. I don't think they're just throwing things up against the wall, trying to see what sticks. I think there's a plan. Um, not all decisions work out. Uh, and they're going about it fairly methodically, trying to get this right in the right sort of a way. Am I right or wrong in that, Q? No, I think you're right. I, I really do. And and I don't mind calling anybody out if I think that, you know, you're, you're wrong. I'd be like, hey, no, Vinny, you were wrong. But in this scenario, man, um, I, I think that the Raiders attacked the offseason last year knowing that defense was their Achilles heel. And they went and attacked it. And they tried to address it as much as they could in free agency and in the draft. And like you said, every decision doesn't work out. You know, they brought in some guys that didn't quite – work out the way that they were supposed to. I mean, Corey Littleton, a great example. You know, he was stuck in Paul Gunther's system. That seemed like it just had too many moving parts, and he wasn't able to play up to his potential. You know the talent's there. You've seen it. So you're assuming, and that's dangerous sometimes, but you're assuming that Gus Bradley is going to be able to get him turned around. You know, they went and addressed the corner position. They went and got Damon Arnett early. They went and got, uh, you know, guys that they feel like could be players on this team, and it just – it didn't shake out for one reason or the other, but at least they didn't ignore the fact that, hey, there's a problem here, and just keep going and, and trying to address the offense and, and improve it. I mean, even at the beginning of the season and, and, and training camp, Vinny, you know for a fact, Paul Gunther was giddy over the fact that he had a whole bunch of different starters and a whole bunch of different players on that defensive side of the ball. It just didn't work out that way. I think the reason most people feel the way that they feel right now is because of the collapse from last season and they feel like well that's two years in a row where they've had that collapse and I get that that's a you know being a kind of a prisoner of the moment and what you would see last so that's why I think people feel that way I agree um but even that collapse what there were different dynamics that collapse two years ago were you know because I I got there that my first game covering the Raiders last year was against the year before was against the Jets and it was just a bloodbath they just got destroyed and then it was a series of just blowouts from that point basically and but but down the stretch last year yes they lost games They, they 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 collapsed there's no way to other way to to describe it but those games that they lost 
19 seconds left against the Miami Dolphins, losing in overtime to the Chargers. Uh, a minute 43, the offense gives the lead to the to the defense against the Kansas City Chiefs. Those were all competitive games, and even throughout the year, except for the, uh, the, the that Atlanta Falcon game, they were competitive throughout uh, the, you know th- those games. And I'm not here about I'm not talking about moral victories. That's bunk. I'm not trying to say that right. we should give them uh, you know a sticker because they were competitive. But if you're trying to gauge progress, that has to be taken into account. I would think. I mean, yeah, no doubt. And, and again, I mean, ultimately, they won eight games. The year before, they won seven games. I mean, that is a step in the right direction. I don't care how many, how, how, how many you know, different ways you say, well, they got lucky because they won that, that Jets game at the end. Okay, but it was a dub. You know, I mean, you could say Miami got lucky and won that game against the Raiders at the end. I mean, there's a lot of games that you could say were won at the end that, that people could feel as lucky. So, yeah, I do think it's headed in the right direction. Now, I will say – for anyone who says that it's not, they're probably saying, well, there was no playoff uh, berth and there was no playoff appearance. And I will say that that's disappointing. The team should have been a playoff team in 2020. I believe they were built to be a playoff team in 2020. Of course, again, it didn't shake out that way. And there's no moral victories like you mentioned. It's all about wins and losses. And in 2019, they had six wins. and looked like they were going to be a good team and possibly make it to the playoffs. And then they lost down the stretch. 2020 had six wins. Looked like they were going to be a really good team and make the playoffs, and then they lost down the stretch. So that's where everyone's saying, "Hey, it's the same team. There's no progress." I do think there's progress, but that next step has to be taken, and it hasn't been taken just yet. We're talking to Q Myers, our good friend uh, uh, Q Myers. Where do you stand with the drafts that uh, John Gruden uh, and Mike Mayock um, ha- have put together? Are we? Is it? Bus? Uh, did they not get it right? Um, where, where do you stand uh, on the drafts? I think it's too early. It's still too early uh, to tell. In some cases, I mean, we're talking about one year for some of these guys, uh, and 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 two years for for others. Uh, but where do you stand on on the drafts that they've put together? Well, I think the 2019 draft, we saw a lot more production from the players that they got than you saw from the 2020 draft. And that has a lot to do with a lot of different circumstances. You know, they, they moved from Alameda to Las Vegas in the offseason of the 2020 season. There was COVID, a worldwide pandemic. There was a lot of issues that they had to deal with. They were a very young team and didn't have really the veteran leadership. But, you know, I don't want to use that as an excuse because everyone had to deal with COVID. Every team had a lot of young players. Not every team, but a lot of teams had young players. You know, not every team had to move their headquarters, but still, I mean, those are circumstances that were in front of them. I just think that there was a lot of things that were playing against the team and just a lot of not knowing. You know, I think Jonathan Abram, being a second-year guy, but really being a rookie, I think that showed, you know, it reared its ugly head in 2020, and I think that he has an opportunity now to see what he did wrong in 2020 and say, okay, I'm not a rookie anymore. I won't make that rookie mistake because ultimately that was like his rookie year. So I just I feel like that there was – some positive steps that there really was the draft. I think their players are quality. Like I think David Arnett could be a dog. I really do. We talked about him before. I think he'd be a really good player at the defensive back for uh, the position. I like the the intensity that he brings, the tenacity that he brings. You know, he's kind of got an edge to him, a little bit of chip on his shoulder, but he's got to stay on the field. You know, and that was a big issue for a lot of the Raiders in 2020. Guys couldn't stay on the field whether it was injury or COVID related, but they weren't able to stay on the field. So that also played a factor. But again. I don't want to use injuries. I don't want to use COVID as a, as a, as a factor and a reason and an excuse to, to get by because 
Every team deals with injuries. Every team deals with COVID. It's just something that you got to find a way to overcome. And for the Raiders in 2020, they weren't able to overcome it. Yeah, and if you look at who did make the playoffs last year, um, and I'm, I'm racing through my mind uh, thinking of the teams that, that did make the playoffs, generally speaking, you're talking about veteran teams. Uh, that 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 made the playoffs, and uh, I don't think there's any. I mean, that's that's generally going to be the case, uh, regardless. Um, but I think in a year that, with everything that went on last year, I think the veteran teams were the teams that were the the uh, in place to 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 deal with all of the various curveballs that got thrown everybody's way. I think they were better equipped to deal with that. Um, and even if you look at the Raiders, it was their offense that played pretty well, pretty darn well. You know, of course you could improve, but a veteran offense played much better than what was a very young uh, defense. So there, I, I would think that that has to have, that, that, that had to have had played a role in, in some of that. Yeah, I agree. I agree hundred percent. I think that we'll see a lot of improvement from a lot of these younger players going into this year. I think that if they have a full training camp, and I say if because, well, it's still kind of up in the air, if they have OTAs, if they have rookie minicamp, if they have, you know, abilities to to gather with each other and get on the same page outside of Zoom calls, I think that that's going to help. And, you know, uh, they have a lot of youth on the team. It's been said for years that, oh, John Gruden just wants veterans. Well, he has a young team. He has a very young team, guys that could be difference makers if they figure it out. You know, but they've got to figure it out. And the, really the only way to do it, I don't know about you, I'm a guy who learns by doing things. I'm, yep. a, I'm a guy who learns by doing things and failing and knowing, hey, I can't do that again. This is how I've got to improve on that. And I feel like a lot of the players that the Raiders have are exactly that. So uh, they've got a lot of work to do. You know, Jonathan Abram, for example, I point him out because he's got to find a way to stay on the field. For two years in a row now, he hasn't been able to stay on the field consistently. So he's going to have to play a major role. You know, and Damon Arnett's going to have to figure out how to tackle without getting a concussion and without, you know, uh, banging up his, his arm and his wrist and, and, you know, get a little bit stronger in the weight room. You know, Trayvon Mullen's going to have to play better than he did last year. He played really good, I thought, his rookie year, and I feel like he was only average his, his you know, second year in the league. So there's a lot of guys that need to take steps forward. I think Gus Bradley, you mentioned it multiple times, I think Gus Bradley coming in is a guy that's going to help those guys kind of figure it out and get more comfortable in that defensive scheme. But all in all, man, the team still has a lot of work to do. And, and the one thing I'll say also about the draft, you mentioned, you know, what my overall feeling was. I will say, you know, they traded off some assets, Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, and, and among others, to get multiple first-round picks. They had five first-round picks, and right now to this moment, we know that Josh Jacobs is a hit, 2,000-yard season. We know Cleve Farrell works really hard. We know that he's improved in the, the run game. He's, he's good at you know stopping the run. You can tell when he's in there, he's a good player. But he's always going to be judged by being pick number four overall. We really don't know if those five draft picks are going to work out in the long run. You're still, I mean, it's still early. Like you mentioned, too early to tell. But Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, that's still incomplete. So this year they're going to have to have to prove a lot. We're talking to uh, Q Myers, our good friend. Uh, you can follow him at your boy Q254. Uh, okay, so of those young players, as we move ahead uh, to next year, um, who, who in particular are you fascinated about seeing the growth and the development? Um, and, and what do you want to see from some of these guys? You know, I mean, honestly, Damon Arnett is one of the guys that really 
stands out to me the most because I remember the training camp hype. I remember how excited the team was about him and how he was a day one starter. And Vinny, I mean, they didn't even make Trayvon Mullen a day one starter. You know, they had him come in here and there periodically. And then finally, when they felt comfortable with him taking over, that's when they felt comfortable to move on from Gary on Conley. But they didn't give him the, the day one start. Damon Arnett, they, they said, hey, that's an old school Raider feel. He's one of those guys that can play like like we used to play back in the day and really beat a guy up on the line of scrimmage and make him work. And, and I've talked to Ohio State guys. Like, Damon Arnett was, was key to their success defensively. Uh, of course, you had Jeffrey Akuda, who was defensive back number one. But they said, hey, he wasn't going to be playing as well as he was without Damon Arnett. So I'm expecting this guy to have a little bit more edge to him and, and, and hopefully be a little bit more healthy. He's one of the guys that really stands out to me in a major way that I would love to see him really succeed and really take that that next step and show why he was the number 19 overall pick as many people thought it was a reach when they drafted him you know it's like a lot of people hadn't heard of him or, or didn't hear the name associated with the first round and thought oh man that has to be a reach not necessarily just because we were talking about him doesn't mean he wasn't a first round pick it just means he wasn't on our radar or my radar but he could be a guy that could really stand out in a major way. I'm excited about him, and, and I'm excited about what Corey Littleton, who, who was a free agent obviously a year ago, I'm excited what he could do with Gus Bradley. Can he take that next step and show why the Raiders brought him in, what they saw in him when he played with the Rams, what he could do and bring that and kind of be the, the, the big-time playmaker that the Raiders thought they were getting when they signed him a year ago. What about Henry Ruggs? Henry Ruggs definitely an intriguing guy you know he's definitely a guy that I, I want to see a lot from I I also want to see if John Gruden has a a better game plan on how to use him this year you know what I mean I don't know if they quite were on the same page as how to use him or if it was Henry Rose just wasn't you know quite ready to be an NFL pro or a combination of the of, of both you know and and maybe Derek Carr wasn't 100% trustworthy and getting him the rock immediately but the guy has so much speed, and you saw what he did, the playmaking ability at Alabama. Just get him the ball. Find out a way to, to use him. You know, Gruden said that that's their Tyreek Hill. He said that he reminded him of Cliff Branch. Well, use him, man. I mean, I'm not going to buy a Ferrari and then drive it like a minivan, man. If I'm going to buy a Ferrari, best believe that thing, the tops are coming off, and I'm letting that thing zip down the highway, man. I mean, that's that's what I'm doing with it. I, mean, I might get multiple tickets, but I'm going to let it rip if I'm going to have a Ferrari. Got to let it rip, man. I want, I'd love to see Henry Ruggs out there and really active in the offense. And, and that, I think, is something Gruden, Carr, and Henry Ruggs all need to get on the same page this offseason. Yeah, and I have a little theory on that. Um, I think they've realized that there were, you know, uh, Henry Ruggs was a, you know, even though he was a 12th player picked overall, you hate to hear there were some development aspects to his game, but I, but there were, um, and you could go back to college uh, to, to, to understand that. There were parts of his game that he needed to put together and work on, and I think the Raiders wanted to get that part of it, that, get that foundation built before they threw even more onto his plate. Just my opinion uh, that I think that, yeah. they, that they wanted to get something in place before they started adding on to it. And I think you're going to see uh, more things being added on to uh, uh, or, or added to his plate. And I'm with you. I think it's time to unleash Henry Ruggs. And part of that's going to be on Henry Ruggs, understanding the game, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the playbook and, and concepts. Yeah. 
Um, so we'll, we'll see. But I'm fascinated by, by Henry Ruggs uh, as well. I'm going to throw a couple of names at you, Q, before we get you out of here. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker and Richie Grant. That is Mel Kuyper's mock draft, uh, latest mock draft. Those are the picks that he has going to the Raiders at 17 and at number 48 in that order. Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, the offensive tackle, could play guard, but will probably play tackle uh, if he did yeah. get drafted by the Raiders. And Richie Grant, your thoughts? I mean, I think that offensive tackle and safety makes a lot of sense, period. You know, I think uh, Tucker is a heck of an offensive tackle. I think he could do some really good things. I know that the Raiders were in attendance when he had his pro day. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, again, it's an area that they're going to need to address. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this a few times. I, I would not be shocked at all if it was offensive tackle. You could put anyone in there. You could put Vera Tucker in there. You could put Darisol in there. You could put Jenkins in there. I think you could put any of those guys in there and then go back and say, hey, Richie Grant at, in the second round, Javon Holland, second round. I mean, there's, there's safeties that you could put in that position. I just think that it's obviously where the Raiders need to go uh, to, to solidify. they got to come out of this draft with a big-time offensive tackle. They need to come out of this draft with a big-time safety that makes plays. That's really what I want them to do, Benny. That's my biggest, I think the highest on my wish list is if you're going to get a safety, get one that in college created turnovers because they'll take that ball hawking skill from college and they'll translate it to the next level because that's what they do naturally. Javon Holland might be the best guy. He had, what, nine interceptions in two seasons? I, I think that that's a successful safety. That's a really, really good guy <laughs> that may be available in the second round. Uh, the Raiders need turnovers, man. When, when they were going to the playoffs, when they went to the playoffs in 2016, it wasn't because their defense was lights out. It's because their defense was opportunistic. They created turnovers at the ideal time safeties Reggie Nelson old man Reggie Nelson had a bunch of interceptions they were able to cause strip sack fumbles I mean there was times where they came up with the big play right when it was needed the most I would love to see a ball hawking safety whoever you decide that's going to be in round two great and an offensive tackle in round one I'd be okay with that too because that's area of need obviously for them yeah uh, and the Raiders were just downright Horrible uh, at turning the ball over last year. I'm looking at it right now. I think it was 26 uh, total, um, which was just – or takeaways. No, I'm sorry. It was even worse than that. Uh, (laughs) 15. 15 takeaways last year. That is not going to get it done. And they they turned it over – uh, 27 times. So yeah, you, you it's it's that's not going to get it done, and that's first and foremost. And I think part of that is getting to the quarterback, uh, making yeah. life difficult for the for the um, for that quarterback. Sacks, strip fumbles, forcing you know uh, interceptions. It's got to start up front. They put a lot of money uh, at to to achieve just that very thing. Uh, we'll see if it all comes to fruition. Q, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Always appreciate the insight. Thank you so much, man. Have a great day. Hey, no problem, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks. You got it. You got it. That's Q Myers, uh, our good friend, and and he's right. You know, when you talk about a defense that was struggling last year, the fact that they can only come up with 15 turnovers that just you know pretty much says it all. It's it was it was at the bottom. What were they? They were the third to last in terms of forcing turnovers last year. It's almost remarkable that they were able to win as many games as they were. Uh, and really be as close as they were to winning, you know, uh, a handful of others, in spite of the fact that they were minus eleven in turnovers. Uh, that's just that's just not very good at all. You're in the huddle with me, Monster. You're brought to you by Tequila and Butter. 
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Right back out to the Raider Nation listen line. Justin wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Justin? Justin, are you with us? Hey, can you hear me? I got you, brother. Hey, what's up, guys? How are we doing today? Good, thank you, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Hey, I called last week, and we were talking about um, draft talk and the, the need for the defense to get some playmakers on defense and, and guys that can really flip the table on that side of the ball. i got to be honest, after we went through just a couple of the players that we were talking about uh, trading up for, the Sir Canes, the the J.C. Horns, the the Parsons, dude, I've been obsessing about the potential of possibly trading up for, for Parsons. I want to ask you, realistically speaking, how far can we actually see this guy falling? I, I, I find it hard to believe he makes it past the Broncos at nine. I, I don't think the Broncos are going to be in a position to draft a quarterback at that spot. I think the top guys are going to be off the board at them. But do, do you think he makes it to, to like a 10 through 12 possibly? And, and what do you think the Raiders might – give up for a Parsons at, at 12 if they were to to think about trading up is it is it your second and then a third and then 17 or or am I just kind of is this all just kind of probably unrealistic well uh everything's everything there's, there's a price uh for everything and uh if the if the Raiders want to go do that you know they're in position to be able to do that um I'm looking at – I just Googled uh, and, and clicked on the first mock draft that I saw. And it was uh, Daniel uh, Jeremiah's uh, mock draft that came out I think about a week ago or maybe even sooner, you know, sooner than that. Uh, he had Micah Parsons going to number 15 at the, for, to the New England Patriots. And uh, in his draft, he had uh, the Raiders taken Jeremiah Owusu uh, Koromora uh, from, from, from Notre Dame. So if, if a Micah Parsons gets to 15 um, or, or, you know, starts falling in that direction, I could see the Raiders possibly trying to, to move up, you know, maybe to 14 uh, to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I know the Vikings, much like the Raiders, uh, have some need at um, – you know, offensive tackle and offensive line. Um, you know, could the Raiders, if if he was, if 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 you started to see him falling, in, in you know uh, uh, past thirteen, let's say, do you try to you know uh, uh, move up to to three spots to go to the Viking to go to the Vikings? I would think that you could probably get that done by maybe one of your third round picks, maybe the fourth round pick, your first round pick. Um and 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 a third round pick. Would you be willing to do that to get a Micah Parsons? I I think it's worth it. Um, the last I'd say the last decade though, I, I think the Raiders have gone away from drafting linebacker in the first round. There's been some pretty good prospects that have passed us that we've, um, you know, we drafted somebody else in the favor. I I think if he's there at 15, I think Bill Belichick takes him. Though I don't. You know, we know how much Belichick likes his linebackers, but right. I think it's a no-brainer coming from that. You know, that stance. Um, you know, I don't think you make that same move for the corners available, just because I don't think the need is as pressing with the young guys we have. But if Parsons is there, man, I, I think that's a no-brainer. You take him and you let that guy be in the center of your linebacking core for the next ten years, and I, I think he's a day-one starter and he's an impact guy. 
exactly what this defense needs, and he's got that mean streak. And I think people have said the character concerns are there, but um, again, we just need those. You know, we, we need those play playmaking players on defense that can that are really just unfair and just we're opposing offenses have to game plan around these guys. And I mean, outside of Parsons, do you kind of get that same vibe from any other linebackers in this draft? I think there's a gap between between him and the rest of the guys. I don't know about you. Uh, I do. And uh, the next one below Micah would be uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromara from, from Notre Dame. Um, I think that, you know, one thing that I can say about uh, Jeremiah is – he he seems like kind of a Gus Bradley type of a Swiss Army uh, knife type of a player that uh, a guy like G- Gus Bradley um, would love to have to be able to you know put him in a bunch of different positions to succeed and attack defenses. Um, but I, but I don't know if he's number seventeen. I'm, I'm looking at the Sporting News right now, and they again the, the second straight one. I don't think if it, I'm wondering if it's sort of the luck of, luck of the draw, uh, but they have. Parsons going to the New England Patriots at 15 again. So if, you know, if, if he, if that's where, you know, he's going to be falling to, if you're the Raiders, you know, uh, I think, I think you could find a draft partner with the Vikings. Um, They're a team that, you know, probably wouldn't mind, you know, trading down a couple of picks and still getting one of the, one of the tackles that they want. Um, and, and pick up a, maybe a third round pick for the for, for their troubles, and the Raiders could get a guy like Micah Parsons. Um, I I think you would if you if you're reading that board, he's somebody that I think that the Raiders uh, should be should be interested in, and even at the possibility of trading up for him. We're going to go back out. Thanks for the call, Justin. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Mitch wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Mitch? Hey, Mitch. How you doing, man? I'm sorry. How's it going? I'm doing good, Mitch. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Thanks for taking my calls. Yeah. Uh, I want to piggyback a little bit from yesterday. Okay. Um, with the Vegas, you think they'll ever bring baseball and basketball? I think it's pretty much prime. Yes. I think the NBA is headed here probably sooner than, than people might think. Um, baseball... Possibly. I mean, they've got a beautiful new AAA uh, baseball stadium uh, over in Summerlin um, where, where uh, the Oakland A's AAA team is, is, is playing. But I think if you, were to, if you were to bring a baseball team here uh, and, you know, ironically enough, monitoring the Oakland A's situation in Oakland, uh, they seem to be having a difficult time. Uh, getting a uh, a stadium deal done there, shocking. Uh, but anyway, uh, eventually we'll have to see. Are they going to run out of options in uh, Oakland, and would they start looking at Las Vegas? Uh, but but I think first and foremost, I think you're going to see the NBA uh, come here, um, and and I think it's a perfect fit. Uh, there's multiple, you know. Obviously, you have the T-Mobile Arena, which is right across the street or the freeway from um, you know from from Allegiant Stadium. I think this is an NBA kind of a town. One thing I will say, uh, this is without question a predominantly Laker town. Um, as a lot of uh, you know, people grow up watching in in this area, watching the Lakers. It's not you know, it's a four hour car ride to Los Angeles and a forty five minute flight to Los Angeles. Uh, I know on my cable uh, company that I have for television, I get the Lakers channel, I get the Clippers. 
I get um, the Dodgers, I get the Angels, I get the Padres, I get the Giants, I get the Sacramento Kings, the Warriors. So uh, we're very much here in Las Vegas, kind of a suburb of all the major cities in Los Angeles, or excuse me, in California, um, and, and Los Angeles in particular. There's a huge contingency of, of, of L.A. fans here. Uh, so it would be interesting to see. Um, you know, what that local team, like who would root for them and, and whether or not it would nudge aside uh, Laker fans. That's hard to do. Laker fans are really, really passionate, much like Raider Nation uh, is. Uh, but I think there's definitely a market here in Las Vegas for the NBA. I think it would be a hit just like it is, you know, uh, with the Raiders. Could they play baseball in the, at the Raiders station? I'm just curious. No, no, no. The Raider Raiders Stadium, to my knowledge, no, is just. I mean, they might be able to do it on a temporary basis, I guess. Uh, but the Raiders are done with that. <laughs> you know, they're the last. They, they they were the last NFL team to be sharing a stadium with a baseball team in the Oakland A's, and uh, you know they don't want to go down that road again. I doubt very seriously that they would even do it on a temporary basis. Um, but maybe I guess if, if if the team needed a temporary place to play until their stadium is built, um, that would be really interesting. If it was the A's, I'd just throwing that out there. Um, that would be interesting if if the, <laughs> that'd just be really like, super interesting. Yes, it'd be very ironic. Kind of like the, the the Dodgers play in the Coliseum the first uh, three four years before they before they move into uh, Dodge Stadium sixty two. Anyway, um, I think. Uh, Rangers stay where they are. So they, they had a good off season, I think. At least took care of the defensive line, I, I believe. I like the running backs, and and and, and uh, got three some of uh, wide receivers. Um, Tucker, I like that you mentioned. I would trade up for uh, Sultan. Is the only one if they stay put. I know you need. I know you need second secondary. He's at safety. Yes. But I love that kid, uh, that wide receiver, Amron St. Brown from USC. Yeah. And North Carolina of all places. That quarterback next year is going to be a top 10, but they have two good running backs, especially Michael Carter. You think they take him in the third, you know, third round, second round? Because you know how injuries happen. Uh, Jacobs, you know, he, I mean, you don't want to overload him, that's for sure. And yeah, uh, I love, yeah, I love Michael Carter from – I love Michael oh, Carter. Good. Yeah, Carter's really good. I just don't I don't I don't necessarily see the need right now um especially after signing uh, now Kenyon Drake. Uh I think in that third round I think that you know um I wouldn't I I I think that there's they could address the defensive line uh, a little bit more. Um I think the offensive line uh is you know even though if you get the right tackle uh in the in that first round um I wouldn't be surprised if they double dipped along the offensive line uh, in that third round. I also wouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, if they draft a safety in the second round and then circle back to safety again in, in the third round. I think that, um, you know, good safeties are uh, paramount in today's NFL, the ability to be able to do multiple things, be versatile. Um, there's a lot of three safety sets uh, that, that the NFL teams are playing now. Uh, but I think in that third round, I think you're looking at, just more defense and and maybe more offensive line. Um, so so we'll see if there is you know a wide receiver that they're that they're. I don't I don't get the sense that wide receiver is going to be uh, a big focus in, in this draft. That remember they they double dipped at wide receiver last year. Uh, they went out and got obviously Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards the year before that. They got Hunter Renfro. They've made investments in free agency at wide receiver. Uh, I think this draft is. 
really about, you know, continuing to add depth to that offensive line. Uh, it's a, it's it overnight has turned into a very young offensive line, say for Richie Incognito. I think you draft a bunch of guys uh, along the offensive line and let them duke it out and fight it out and figure out you know uh, what the best group is, and then also have some some solid depth. If if we've learned anything, uh, depth is paramount, you know, uh, and and so um, I think that building depth along the offensive line, young depth, d- developmental depth, uh, is is paramount. Uh, we're gonna go out back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Dave is in Denver. How you doing, Raider Dave? Good, man. Hopefully uh, everybody else listening and you two are doing well uh, again, and uh, it's good to talk to you, man. Thank you. Likewise. Um, I really kind of want to hinge a little bit on third-round picks because I think there's really only one player that's a surefire starter and a surefire game-changer. And, you know, that's that's the that's the linebacker that's going to go probably by number 12. And if the Raiders have got to move anywhere, it might be tough to find a partner. But if they're going to move anywhere, that one of the second-round pick will probably get get mixed in. But I think Parsons is really the only guy that can make a huge difference. And it's, it's really interesting. Or I'd like to hear the tea leaves of what Bradley really wants. I mean, he's got to assess what he's got without playing any of his players, which is tough have a better idea next year but for right now i wonder where he sees the role for littleton i wonder where he sees the role for uh the changes they've made on the defensive line and now with carl joseph at least they have some depth but i just don't see you know the sherman thing and all these other deals going on they they've really got to concentrate on on getting a surefire winner in this and last year they they didn't uh draft anybody outside the fourth round so you know they could make uh, some they could ditch some other later round draft picks and possibly I think maybe a third uh, to move up and, and get Parsons. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's play this game. Um, Let's say that Micah Parsons slips past the chargers at 13. I don't think the chargers um, are, are, are going to draft him. So let's just say he gets past 13. uh, And now you're looking at, Ahead of you, if you're the Raiders, are the Arizona Cardinals at number 16, the um, New England Patriots at 15, and the Minnesota Vikings at 14. Uh, are you starting? Either one of those teams will be uh, eager to move at all, whether they take Parsons or not. But I just don't know that they'll be eager to trade with, with the Raiders. I think the Raiders want them. They're going to have to trade a little bit earlier. All right. Well, if you're the Vikings – why wouldn't you trade? And you're and almost every um, almost every mock draft that I see for the Vikings is offensive line and maybe defensive line. If you're if you're the Vikings, and first of all, what do you think it would take to move from seventeen to fourteen? I, I think it would take a third rounder, honestly. You know, and I don't know if that's something the Raiders want to do, but I, I really think that everybody knows what the Raiders need, and if they're going to get that blue light special they're gonna have to pay and i think everybody realizes that well if you're the vikings and i'd like to i I, i'm gonna try to figure out how many draft picks the vikings have uh this year but if you're the vikings i i I don't i don't see why you wouldn't want to why why you wouldn't be open uh to moving down three spots to get a third round pick uh you know for your troubles because when you look at behind 
And if you're, let's say you're the Vikings and you want one of the offensive linemen, all right? Um, and, and it seems like that's, in a lot of the mock drafts that I see, the Vikings are going to go offensive linemen. Are you worried that the Patriots are going to take, um, you know, a Derisaw or a Elijah Vera Tucker uh, or, or Tavon Jenkins? Are you worried that the Cardinals are going to take one of those three players? Um, so so yeah, yeah, I, I would think if you're the Vikings – you might be open to making a trade because you feel like okay, if you if you drop two places down to or three down to seventeen, you're not that worried that the Cardinals or the Patriots are going to take a player that 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 you like. And if you have you know a group of maybe four guys that you do like, you're going to get one of those guys regardless at number seventeen. So you're, um, you're probably right along the lines of. This is a draft that has a lot of what they need. Yes. And the fact that they could move back and go ahead and pick up more picks would probably bode well for them. So you got a great point about that. I thought that their defense wasn't that great last year. I thought that might have been where they were thinking of going. Uh, I don't know if they're in the best player available kind of scenario or not. But if it is truly offensive linemen that they want, then this is the draft for them to move back and get more picks. Right. And, no, offensive line is definitely a, uh, a trouble spot for them. I think they're set at linebacker, so I don't think that they're going to be in the Micah Parsons uh, world. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if a Jalen Phillips uh, was there or Gregory Rousseau was there, um, that the Vikings might be interested in that. But, again, uh, I think a, couple, a few of those guys, and usually when you go into a draft, you know, you have – three or four guys that you have uh, in mind, you know, uh, when your pick comes along. Sometimes it's just the one guy, though, at that point. But at 14, I would think that the Vikings probably are going to have a good solid three to four guys that they're going to that they're gonna be good with. And well, if, as we get closer, I'd like for you to maybe try to figure out who else might be interested in linebackers and where would Parsons go? Does he have a, a chance to get picked up early after these teams they want quarterbacks so bad. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, uh, Raider Dave, really appreciate uh, the call as usual. Uh, don't be a stranger. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Options, options, options. Um, the Raiders have plenty of them. And, you know, just talking about this draft and would they be willing to trade up if need be um, to go get a guy like Mark Micah Parsons. And, you know, I just looking at some of my uh, uh, Twitter mentions uh, going through my feed and uh, maybe concerned that, you know, because of the system that that uh, Gus Bradley runs, that he doesn't blitz much, um, and then you know, would Micah Parsons be utilized in the blitz game? Well, you know, a couple of things. First of all, just because you know, uh, yeah, definitely, um, he likes to rush for uh, players. That's what Gus Bradley does. But you could always do it where you know you're, you're where he's one of those four players. Where a Micah Parsons is one of those four players doesn't mean um, that, and, and it could be kind of a blitz because what you do is you know you 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 rush a Micah Parsons on a blitz and you drop back a defensive lineman uh, into pass coverage. There's definitely ways to do that. Um, so uh, I, I think that the I think a guy like Micah Parsons would be utilized in the pass rush game in some form or fashion. 
even if it's not technically a blitz where you're sending a fifth guy, um, you're, 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 you know, rushing four guys. It's just coming from different ways and different alignments. Uh, and then the other question was raised um, as far as can he cover uh, in the in the past game. I think when you look at you know what he was asked to do, he wasn't asked to do it a lot in Penn State at Penn State. But I wouldn't conf- I wouldn't you know necessarily make the assumption that he can't do it. He's too good of an athlete. Um, he's he has played uh, zone snaps. There are there have been uh, you know situations where he was used in man coverage. But if you look at him, the athlete uh, and how he can move, and you know uh, how fast he is, how athletic he is, all of the um, you know short shuttles and quickness and the agility drills uh, that that he put on display. There's no reason to think that. Uh, he can't be a three-down linebacker that can, you know, obviously chase down the run. Obviously, if you utilize him in the in the pass rush game, uh, can get after it uh, on that um, in that phase of the game, and then also be somebody that you can comfortably uh, drop back in pass coverage. Um, would it be a process to get him uh, established and settle down as a as a uh, cover guy? Probably, yeah. Um, a lot of guys have to make that transition, but I don't. If you look at at Micah Parsons, the athlete, uh, I think that he can definitely be somebody that can be an asset in a three down uh, linebacker. Uh, my question, obviously, would be: All right, so where do you play him to start off with? Uh, the Raiders just brought re-signed Nicholas Morrow. He's coming back. Um, you've got Nick Wachowski. You've got Corey Littleton. But here's the thing, and nothing against uh, you know Nicholas Morrow, uh, but but Nicholas Morrow, um, as 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 pleasant of a surprise as he was last year, um, you know, kind of a breakthrough year for him. Uh, he's just you know he's not the guy that you don't draft a Micah Parsons. He's he, he he's not the reason why you don't draft Micah Parsons. And for all we know, you know Nicholas Morrow could be part of the long range plan here uh, as well. You know, um, maybe he's the replacement for, you know, Corey Littleton um, in a year or so, Um, uh, you know, but again, you can't, I, I, if I'm the Raiders, I'm not looking at, you know, Corey Littleton and Nick Wachowski and, and Nicholas Morrow and saying, you know what? I'm set up linebacker. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to add a guy like Micah Parsons. I think if Micah Parsons starts slipping, and gets into that 13-14 range, and knowing Bill Belichick and knowing how much he values you know linebackers, especially uh, guys with the skill set that a Micah Parsons has, uh, if I'm the Raiders, I would consider trading an ex- one of those extra third-round picks to go jump ahead of the Patriots and go get um, a Micah Parsons now, and the Cardinals too. Because uh, they might be on the lookout for a defensive playmaker uh, as well. Uh, well, we will talk about this more tomorrow, no doubt, as we barrel closer and closer to the draft. It's fascinating. Uh, I think he's the one, Micah Parsons is the one defensive player, uh, if I'm the Raiders, that I would think about moving up to go get. Uh, he just makes such a big difference. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahador. Thanks to all the callers. Great uh, insight as usual and passion and energy. Uh, you know that we're here for all of that. Uh, thank you to Q Myers, our good friend, uh, for joining us in the huddle for uh, a little while. Uh, Damon Cotton, our great producer, really appreciate everything that you do. Uh, we will talk to you guys tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor.